to the ALT Insider Podcast, dedicated to making you have the most fun possible while living or dreaming about living in Japan. Whether you've been here for years or are just starting to consider it, we've got you covered. And now, your host, broadcasting from somewhere in Japan, James. James here, coming at you with episode number 127 of the ALT Insider Podcast. Thanks for coming in here on the weirdest the week of September 22nd. As always, I gotta tell you guys, the ALT Insider Podcast is a proud member of the Japan Podcast Network. If you want to check out awesome podcasts about Japan, go to japanpodcastnetwork.com. And you know, guys, I don't like to peel back the curtain too much normally on these shows. I like to get right to the stuff. But this day I'm feeling kind of talky, so let me talk a little bit here. Uh, this week was the biggest, busiest interview week ever. I did eight interviews in the last four days. So uh, it was definitely interesting. I, left a, I think I learned a lot from doing the interviews back to back to back. You kind of get – you kind of learn about how to be an interview. You know, the more you do something, the, more you get, the better you get at anything like that. I've been doing interviews now for this podcast for, what, three years now almost? So, you know, I'm getting, I feel I've gotten better, way better. If you listen to the first episode, you want to shoot yourself. But even if you, doing it in this kind of quick way, I really, you feel the flow of an interview, how it happens. And it kind of like comes at you normally. And you just got to be the one to catch it and ask the right questions to keep the flow going in the best way. I definitely have a lot of, lot to learn. Uh, but yeah, it was definitely interesting. So stay tuned for that. You're going to lot, going to be a lot of interviews coming at you in the next few weeks. So I hope you're pumped for that. Back to normal show stuff here. <laughs> I might edit that out. I don't know. We'll see. But uh, back to normal show stuff here. Two weeks left here in the elementary school lesson plans telethon. It's actually not a telethon. It's a podcast listing-a-thon. So if you work for elementary schools in Japan and you use the High Friends book and you want to stop planning everything ever, you know what you got to do. Go to altinsider.com forward slash ALT lesson plans. Helped a lot of people over the years. You have awesome elementary school lesson plans. I took me a lot of time to make them. They're the awesome games, perfect games for any class. Go check it out and see if it might help you out because I think it might. I do want to say another thing, um, another point here. I don't know who did it. It must have been someone. Someone must have uh, talked about my ebook I wrote, Get Your Mind Right, uh, because I there's usually that thing maybe gets two downloads a month. It's free, by the way. So if you want to check it out, go check it out. Um, usually it's two two downloads a month, two or three. Okay. Yesterday there was eighteen downloads, and so I, I don't know what happened. I'm sure there was maybe an ALT meeting and someone talked about it or something. But whoever you are, kind soul, thank you. Someone was even nice enough to pay for it, even though you have the option to pay for free. So thanks for that, everyone. Whoever that you are and whoever downloaded it. I need to make an updated version, I think, though, because it is kind of showing its age a little bit. My thoughts have changed a little bit. That was I wrote that right when I started making this site, before the podcast, before anything. So I do think I want to do an updated version sometime. But to the people that downloaded thanks, tell me what you think. I want to hear what you think on, on Twitter, Facebook, Discord. Please let me know what you think um, about it, and hopefully it's helpful for you. A last bit of news. Um, obviously, we're in the jet season here, the jet application season, I should say. I will do be doing my annual live walkthrough of the online application. That will be coming this week or the next week, but you know what to do. Stay tuned on Twitter, ALT Insider FY, or on Facebook, ALT Insider, and I'll let you know when it goes live. I'm not sure if I want to do a live show or just record it. Um, if I record it, I can do more in-depth things. If I do live, I can get the questions right there live. You let you tell me, what do you want? What do you want to see? 
because I want to do it as helpful as possible. But let's get to it. Let's get to this week's episode, the most important thing, the reason we're all here. If you click the link, you know who I'm talking to. I'm very excited for this week because I'm talking to Diana Garnett, someone in the entertainment business. She sang the song for Naruto. She has a weekly TV show on NHK. She is doing some cool things in Japan, and she used to be an Interact ALT, so that is the perfect person to get on the show because we can. I try to go through her kind of the you know what she did before she made the change to the entertainment business while she was an ALT, and then we get into all about her life, uh, what her life is like now, living in Tokyo, doing the you know talent thing. If nothing else, if you not you know you don't care about entertainment business or whatever, I think it's still worth listening because you can see how. She made the jump, you know, and how the things she did to get herself networking and stuff like that to make it happen, you know what I mean? Because obviously a lot of people want to get in the entertainment business, but it's not that simple as, yeah, I want to do it and you try hard and it happens, right? It's not always like that, but for Diana, it did work out. So I think there's something interesting for people here. I'll put a link to a lot of her songs on the show notes page. So go check that out if you never heard of her music or anything. And uh, yeah, that's it. Thanks to her to doing this interview. It was really nice to talk to her. I know her schedule is busy and stuff, so... He means a lot. Let's get to it. Without further ado, this is the interview with Diana Garnett. Enjoy. All right, guys. Today, I have a very special guest that's doing some very exciting things in Japan. And she had a very interesting path through Japan, one that I think a lot of people might wish to emulate. Her name is Diana. How are you doing today, Diana? I'm doing good. Thank you. So I got to say your full name, actually, Diana Garnett. And uh, Yes, Diana Garnett. And she is doing some cool things um so exactly why don't you get, get people excited here why don't you tell us what are you doing in japan right now as a job i guess <laughs> yes <laughs> plural um so what i'm doing right now is i'm, I'm a professional singer uh, for mostly anime and then i also do a lot of um, narration and voice acting as well as uh presenting on tv and variety shows basically entertainment everything i was first saw you on youtube of course but then i saw you on nhk doing this kind of this game called eagle and that's pretty cool yeah uh, so yeah, it is. we'll get it's it. super cool <laughs> so we'll get into that we're in the middle of the main gene right now so it's really exciting at the moment cool cool so let's get into back to your your roots here so sure. what made you come to japan in the first place and how did you come to japan in the first what kind of was your avenue into japan okay so this is actually going to be a really difficult question to answer but basically um my my father is also a really big fan of anime so i grew up watching anime me like it was Disney. It was just always around me. And so from there, um, I sort of took that sort of early 90s anime childhood and turned that into uh, an ambition. And and what I really wanted to do was to to sing anime songs. I would hear the, the 90s greats like Hayashi Baramegumi, Tamara Naomi, um, Yunekura Chihiro, and I'd be like, oh, this is like the best music I've ever heard. I really want to be part of that. And so I, I, t- I told my parents at like seven years old, hey, I'm going to go to Japan and I'm going to be a singer. And my parents were like, yeah, okay, you you do that. Sure. Um, and I don't <laughs> yeah. think they actually thought I was going to uh, make a career out of that. But um, being the masochist that I am, I decided that was a good idea. Um, I wasn't entirely sure where Japan was at the time. Um, I thought it was maybe Ohio or something because they say Ohio gozaimasu quite a bit. And I was like, Ohio de gozaimasu. Okay, that works. But it, yeah, no, that was me being seven so. <laughs> so then from seven though you know obviously a lot of you have dreams crazy dreams and stuff but you kept it going and then how did you say how did you really take the steps to make it happen well being sort of like the i like to make plans um so i would sit there and decide how i'm going to get to japan and in the 90s it was really difficult to get to japan initially there weren't there wasn't really like the the ne- connectivity that we have on the internet these days it was really difficult to access uh, information and stuff like that. Like there was, there was no community for it. Mm. So my plan was to go to Japan and then see what happens. And so, uh, in high school, which was now in the two thousands and there was internet, but I had already made this plan. So I was going to do it in high school. I managed to find a, um, what is it? An exchange program. 
mm-hmm. that it didn't matter what school you were in, uh, you could do the exchange program. Uh, and so m- myself and my best friend entered that and we, we both managed to get into the program. Um, and so I was sent to Shikoku, which is, uh, the tiny bean shaped island, uh, between Honshu and Kyushu. And my best friend ended up in Sapporo and Hokkaido. So that was, that was pretty far away. I was like, no, but, um, but yeah, so that was the first time I was in Japan and I think I was 16 at the time. And from there, my plan was to live life in Japan for a year and see how I felt. And if it was, you know, I, I knew that having assumptions before time was probably a bad idea. Like, you know, Japan's going to be like this or that is, isn't really a good way to go about living in a new country. Mm-hmm. Um, so instead, I was like, let's see if this is a place I could call my home for the rest of my life. And then then I'll make more plans. And it was. So um, I decided, okay, so after high school, after I graduate high school, I want to study abroad in Japan, this time on the university side of things, uh, living alone instead of with a host family this time, and again, see how I feel. Um, and that was also awesome. I was in uh, Hyogo, uh, Kobe this time. And, uh, and from there, I was able to start building networks. Um, it wasn't quite a professional network yet. It was still mostly students, but I was able to start poking around and seeing how viable the anime industry was. Um, were there any foreign seiyu or were there any foreign anime song singers, that kind of thing. And I found out there was a foreign seiyu. She had just debuted at the time, Jenya, uh, the Russian. She's worked on things like Nyankoi, and uh, also she's in Girls and Panzer. And then um, right at the end of my university stay, there was Himika, the, the Canadian singer, that uh, she did a song for Tigami Bachi uh, and a whole bunch of other stuff. And so I was like, oh, this isn't impossible. And so I, I researched how they came about um, it. And uh, in Himika's case, she was on the working holiday visa, which is available to everybody but America, basically. And, um, and in Jenny's case, she came over uh, initially and worked in a cafe. And so I sort of weighed my options and I talked to my parents and my, my father was like, you should go to university because then you'll have more visa options available to you. And so while it did take an extra four years, university was the best option. Uh, so finishing university would allow me to then get the specialty in humanities visa needed mm. to um, be an ALT, which would get me a, a guaranteed working visa in Japan, essentially. Okay, so let's break it down a little bit. So you had, first you went to the co- you, to, you, you went to college, did your thing. How was your Japanese at that point? Um, were you still building it at that point? I'm sure you know everyone, everyone starts out at the same point. So what was your Japanese when you were in college and uh, after you finished college, I guess? Okay, so um, I first sort of started self-study when I was much younger. And that was just, you know, how, how, how it works for everybody through anime and manga and stuff like that. Um, but because my first study abroad happened when I was 16, uh, in high school, uh, I ended up picking it up a lot faster, I think, than uh, most people would as an adult. It also helped that I was in literally the middle of nowhere. And so there was no one that spoke English, like in the entire city, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was sort of like being thrown into the lion's den. I basically had to figure out Japanese as fast as possible in order to just live. To live, yeah, and you and you said like you started networking. So that's something you know it's easy to say. You know, yeah, you gotta get you gotta get a network when you go to Japan. So how exactly? Give us some steps here. I okay. want to I want to network in a certain field. How do you go about doing that? Especially when you were in the middle of nowhere. Mm. How did you make it happen? Well, I mean, when I was in high school, I wasn't networking because I was in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, and I was also in the middle of nowhere. Um, it didn't even cross my mind at the time when I was sixteen. But in university, I was in a much larger city. I was basically sort of central Japan. So I was able to travel quite a bit. Mm, So I traveled to, you know, Osaka and and Tokyo. And as an adult, I can go to places by myself and it's fine. Um, So basically from 20 years old and on, you're you're considered an adult in Japan and you're able to stay at hotels and stuff like that. So you can go to events. Uh, So at the time, university, um, there weren't a ton of events, uh, but there were things like Kamike and um, 
like all of the like dojin events. And so I would go to those and I would make friends at those events. There's very few, or at the time there were very few foreigners going to these events. Mm -hmm. So I stuck out quite a bit and people would come up and talk to me. And as of university, my Japanese was pretty good since I had spent a year abroad as a high school student and I had kept studying it. Mm. So I was able to at least have conversations with people and and make friends that way. Facebook had just started in America, so I was able to um, sort of Facebook people. But at the time, Mixi was more popular in Japan. Facebook's only really been a thing in Japan for the last three or four years. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was able to to get you know people's emails and stuff like that. And um, when you're in university, your your college friends as well, the people in the same seminar as you, you get their cell phone numbers and emails and stuff like that. You keep in contact with them. And while they may or may not end up going into a similar um, industry, the thing about Japan is because it's so, it, it's small, because it's such a small country, everybody knows somebody. So whether it's one or two degrees of separations, you'll be able to get somebody that knows somebody somewhere. Um, and it's not like like I was aiming for anything in particular. Like I think it's most important that you enjoy who you hang out with and that you make friends. Um, but that can also sometimes lead to something. Mm-hmm. So after university, I still didn't have like a huge network or anything like that. But I had a few friends, you know, people that liked anime and had the same sort of interests as me. And most of them were college students, but you know, maybe it would turn into something. And, and I was also uh, part of a music circle in college, so I had sort of a band that I would play with here and there. Yeah, so once you graduated, you said you had you went to the ALT route. Um, so did you go? Did you go to? Was that the jet program? Was it Interact? Was it any kind of dispatch company? What kind of avenue did you go for that? So I went through uh, Gaijinpot, mm-hmm. and uh, I was with Interact. Did you enjoy? Did you enjoy your time as an ALT? There, yeah, I I really did. Like I I like kids. Um, and I was in uh, Nidima, and Nidima is really interesting because it's a hotbed for for anime in particular. So like you know, Toei Animation Studio is there, and a whole bunch of others. And I was literally across the street from Toei Animation, so a lot of my kids were um, kids that were sort of the the children of animators at Toei. So a lot of them were really knowledgeable. Wow. Okay. So that's lucky. Like, did, did that just by chance, or did you really did you request that placement? Oh, it was completely by chance. Uh, Nenima's kind of countryside as far as Tokyo goes like you've got inner Yamanote and then you've got like you know the areas near Kanagawa and Chiba Nidima's over near Saitama so it's actually a lot of uh, rough schools are over there uh, and by rough I mean it's as rough as Japan really gets which is not at all very rough I'm from DC so it's not a problem so the interact route I mean obviously you had it's teaching wasn't your goal wasn't your end goal um, oh, no. you had this no. dream in your mind so what kind of steps did you take while you were teaching them to keep working towards your goal that's an excellent question. Um, as I said, I had a band when I was in university. So my band and I picked up where we left off and we started playing gigs uh, in and around Tokyo. And then at the same time, I was doing auditions for for labels and, and for, for different roles. As far as voice acting goes, it's very difficult for a foreigner to get into Japanese voice acting, but it's not too difficult for a foreigner to get into English narration. Mm. So I was able to join. There's, there's many famous companies like DAG Music, JK Talent. Um, there's solely consultants. And so you join them and uh, they'll throw jobs at you. They're basically a dispatch company and they'll, they'll throw jobs at you. And um, I'm one of the very few people that has sort of like a young voice. So I've I've kind of got like the corner market on small girl children. <laughs> okay. So yeah, so you were doing English, English uh, voiceovers for the small children de- de- demographic. <laughs> that, well, not the demographic. I was the small children. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, you were also, the small children. Very, very, very tiny boys. But there's another girl that specializes in slightly older uh, shogakuse boys. And then I, I was like baby boys and then girls. Okay. So then so. at this point, so you're doing the LT thing. You're doing these side jobs on this. And obviously yeah. it's not enough to live on if I, if I understand that field correctly. Well, 
there's there's the visa situation too. It's very difficult to get an entertainment mm. visa, so I had to keep it within the realm of the specialty and humanities visa, which also means not doing too much in Japanese. Uh, okay. But with permission to do a um, a side job, you're allowed to do that kind of work as long as they're okay. aware of it. Um, but going into full time entertainment is a completely different visa, and it wasn't quite. You need long term contracts for that. And I didn't have any long-term contracts. My longest-term contract was Kisalego, but that wasn't enough for a full-time visa. Oh, so you're saying like you, this was a becoming into your your enough to live on money-wise, if you don't mind. Honestly asking. speaking, yeah. Um, <laughs> English narration pays very well um, because it is considered a specialized craft. Uh, so it, it pays pretty lucratively if you get more than like a gig or two a, a week. Mm-hmm. Um, you're able to live off of it. So I use that as my part-time job, but at the same time, gigs do not pay, pay well. Musical gigs generally don't pay well. Yeah, um, there are that. some that pay really well, but if, you, if you're in a like live house setting, you're generally paying for the live house. And if enough people come and say that they're there for you, you might get some kickback. But you usually have to spend money because there's practices and rehearsals and stuff like that. Yeah, too. being a band in Japan, I've, I've done it too. It's, it's really just expensive money pit. It's <laughs> it's a black hole. Um, but I had a lot of fun and I was hoping for the music side to take off. Um, but really what happened was while I was doing narration and, and my band gigs, I managed to get a spot on the show called um, Norujiman Zawarado. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you might know it from like Chris Hart and, and stuff like that. And so he, he had won and I had watched that show and my band member was like, you should totally apply for that. So I did. And I managed to get on the show and I had been on a few times, but the third time I was on the show, I ended up winning. What is the show? What do you do on the show? So Narujimanza Warado is they take a bunch of foreigners. Uh, and, um, <laughs> it's only foreigners. That's why it's called The World. Um, and they pit us against each other and we have to sing J-pop songs. And the best one, well, it's, it's a point system. So it's between one and like 400 points. And the, the person with the most points wins. Um, there's several rounds, like you have to get through the first round and then there's a final. Um, and the time that I won, I was the wild card. So I had the highest uh, amount of points for somebody that wasn't one of the winners of their bracket. Okay. And then I, I beat Chris and I got yay. And, and this is on TV, right? So this is, this is your first time on Japanese TV, if I'm correct here. Yeah, this this was the first show I was on, but this was like the third time I had done the show. Um, and I had been on another show since like called Monomane Grand Prix, which is about doing impressions. Mm-hmm. So this was like my fifth time on Japanese TV, but... It was still, it was, it's, it's my baby first show. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So this point still, you're independent. You're just like, you know, you, you I'm still a teacher at this point. Still te- okay. You're still teaching. So I'm sure like the kids are going crazy for that. And you're, Oh, they're going, Oh, they would not like, I wasn't even teaching English anymore. I was just singing at them. <laughs> that's all they wanted me to do is sing. So So that's pretty exciting. So you're on TV, you win this, this, this championship. Now, what does that mean to someone? Does that mean that people start coming to you for real jobs here? What, what happened? How did your life change? Does it change at all? So what happened was, um, there was a little boy somewhere in Tokyo watching it, uh-huh. and he really, really, really liked me. So he pleaded with his father, who happened to be a manager at Sony Music, if his father could become my manager. I was still teaching at the time. I didn't know what was going on. So anyway, that person ended up contacting the TV show. And so the TV show contacted me saying that there was somebody really important that wanted to meet me. And I was like, okay. It was summer break, so I was like, sure, whenever. Um, so I ended up meeting him, and he was from Sony Music, and he was like, hey, are you interested in becoming a singer? And I'm like, yeah, I'm very interested in becoming a singer. Let's do this. And so we ended up contracting and it was within the next two months or so that I had my official debut. And it happened to be right before the contract period for my next Interact contract. Mm -hmm. So I was between contracts already. So I, I didn't have to break any contracts. My visa was easily changed. It was honestly, it was a timing miracle. So you got this 
you know, dream happened. The manager said, we want to sign you. We want to, you know, I know you can't talk about the contract and all that stuff, yeah. but so just for, for, for someone, what are they, do they give you a house? They give you, this, give us some kind of outline of what, not a house, but I'm saying like, they give you a place to live. They give you a schedule. This is your schedule. What's it like? What Give us, give us a window into it. Okay. So people like to, um, sort of glorify being an artist, but it's, it's really just any other, um, contract job. Like I'm technically an independent contractor. So, um, especially if there's a label involved. So in Japan, labels and agencies are usually two different things. And I happen to have both a Sony label and a Sony agency, but they're actually usually separate. Um, but basically what happened was I was teaching, then I moved to a new uh, sort of private contract contract, but it was it was the same Gyomi Taku contract. Like, honestly, it's the same contract. Um, yeah, yeah. And as far as, you know, the perks of being a singer versus, you know, an ALT, ALT is way cushier. Um, so, <laughs> so there's no, you know, insurance coverage. There's no benefits whatsoever. I don't get any vacation time. Um, what happens was, um, I, I kept the same apartment I was living in. Uh, my apartment was fine, but, um, it, they don't really do anything. It's just, it's contractor. Oh, okay. So, they, okay. So it's, so we should, you, it's not, you weren't, didn't ship in champagne. You didn't have the strawberries oh, no. every night. Oh goodness. Slate, no, no, no butlers or anything yet. You're still living in the same place. Your ALT apartment, let's call it. I was, I was living in my ALT apartment. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So, but let's talk about your life has to change in terms of what you do day to day, right? Give, give us a picture of that. So basically, uh, it, it, the music business in Japan is particularly interesting, um, because there are people that are salaried, but for the most part, musicians aren't salaried because they make their money through royalties and then kickbacks from um, live performances and stuff like that. But because I'm a foreigner and I have visa constraints, I have to be salaried. So um, it's generally that's not how it works. So instead of getting any kickback or royalties, I'd still get some royalties, but not as many as I would normally get. Mm. Um, instead of getting kickback from from jobs like TV or, or from lives, I just have a, a base salary. And um, you know the whole image of starving artist? Yeah, That's yeah. incredibly accurate. That is a very, very poignant representation of our lives. <laughs> um, generally speaking, I'm, I'm not going to go into to full detail because it's, you know, disclosure. But yeah, yeah. Um, generally speaking, they pay us as little as possible. So if, you, if you're aware of what the visa minimum is to be a foreigner uh, on a working yeah. visa in Japan, that's what I make. <laughs> so, uh, okay. But we get a little bit of kickback from royalties. So the better we sell, the better we do. Um, and then I'm actually in a different contract right now. And my current contract is 70-30. Is and so whatever work I get, I get 70 uh, and 30. Yeah, it goes to my, my agency. As a, how my life has changed, the, the sort of living, like, the life pace is different from, you know, say teaching to, to being in entertainment. Entertainment usually starts from the afternoon and goes into the night. So my sleep schedule got very, um, it, it got pushed back by about four hours. So instead of sleeping from like 11 to six, I now sleep from like two to nine. <laughs> okay. Um, and that's kind of nice. And sometimes I sleep to 10. That's my favorite. Um, <laughs> but other times like, uh, when you do location shoots, so often, especially for my current regular show, I have to go, to like Kumamoto or to Osaka. And so I have to get up at like, you know, the with the sun. And so at like four, four <laughs> in the morning, I need to get on a Shinkansen. Um, wow, and so yeah. that, that's quite frequent. And then um, music video shoots are very difficult because they usually last about 30 hours. So it starts at about five in the morning and it will go until about five in the morning the next day. Um, and that, that's, um, it's rough, but at the same time, it is really fun because there's a certain kind of, uh, artistic energy that you can only get through 
pushing your body to the brink and sleep deprivation. (laughs) Basically, (laughs) all musicians are complete masochists. Um, And in my case, um, especially when I debuted, I was very specifically music only. Sony is music only. And so they they specialize just in the music side of things. Um, But Mm -hmm. my current career is both music and um, you know, TV, since I have regular TV shows and stuff like that. Um, but at the time it was mostly music. And so, uh, there was a lot of like PV shoots. There was a lot of doing music television. There was a lot of radio because of course music gets its sort of snowball effect from, from mostly radio. Although Japan doesn't really do radio anymore, but they don't really do streaming either. So we'll just do radio. Um, Nikonama are also still a thing. Um, so there's a lot of that kind of thing. And so basically your, your whole life pace sort of conforms to entertainment hours um so there's sometimes there's some weeks like last week that you get no sleep and then like next week it looks like i'm gonna get lots of sleep so i'm pretty excited yeah and also you're doing tv so how was the you know you start with music obviously it's not i know in japan for some people for someone that lives in japan a while you know that the music industry and tv industry are so combined like people do both you know yeah. there's no kind of you know so but was that is that a, a, a smooth transition for you they start with music and they say oh well you're doing the tv show too so go there or how did that happen mm-hmm. how'd you get your show right in now in my case i like communication quite a bit so for me doing tv is just an extension of doing music so of course music is is my favorite and it's my main focus but i don't think it means lots if i can't then explain my my vision and 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 reach people especially as a foreigner i come from you know a a slightly different perspective than japanese natives and i want to be sort of that bridge of communication and television is a really great way to go about doing that my current Mm -hmm. show which is ego ego was already um an interest of mine but because of of that show the the ego show i've been able to reach an audience that i don't think i would have ever been able to reach otherwise it's mostly older people um, but also a lot of really young children, um, mostly older people and, and more traditional type people. They, they would normally mm. listen to Inca. But now that I'm doing the <laughs> show, they're brought into sort of this international kind of, of, of world that Japan is becoming, especially with the Olympics coming up. And so we're able to, to, to bring you know, them into sort of like the new progressive Japan. Um, and a lot of people are actually incredibly excited. It's, it's a much more positive feedback than we were even ever hoping for a lot of people like the English segment because there are many foreigners that work professionally as go players in Japan and everybody was was sort of worried like hey, you know how do I communicate with them or you know if I go to like the, the European go congress would I be able to talk to anybody so I do a little English corner and they're really excited about it so I'm able to use my teaching experience as well as my singing experience and sort of you know have everything come full circle so that people are, mm. are connected not just within Japan but also internationally for anyone that doesn't know, Ego is kind of like a it's kind of a board game. It's really old and traditional. Super board old. Game it's and- the oldest board game. It's about four thousand years old. It's originally from China, but Japan uh, refined the game quite a bit. So the current form of Go is the Japanese form of Go, um, and especially in the '90s and early 2000s, Japan was the the undefeated sort of pinnacle of the Go world. Mm-hmm. it's kind of it's a show on i think it's i think it's on sundays yeah every sunday yeah sunday and it's kind of yeah it's kind of it's kind of chill and you're watching these two guy people play and then diana's there breaking down the moves and what kind of moves they should have made it's pretty cool if you're into it um but yeah check it out 12 o'clock on nhk for anyone in japan but i want to know like you know you have a music company and you're doing music did they did they tell you okay now you're doing this tv show or do you say i want to do this tv show because you had interest in that in that game already um so the tv show actually approached us at one point in time i had done a very brief interview for a magazine called Goteki, which is about go and how i got that interview was i had gone to a go salon which is a place where you can play go with with people and somebody 
recognized me from TV, uh, from, from Nodojimon. And they were like, oh, wow, that famous person plays Go, that's cool. And so they approached me for an interview for an Eagle magazine. And NHK happened to be observing that interview for some reason. So two years later, when the, the host of the show left the show, they called me up asking if I wanted to, to co-host the show. And I was like, yes. And Sony was, <laughs> was also like, yes. So everybody was on board with it. Okay, cool. Here's uh, some question I want to ask always a, a, a foreign person that's in the entertainment world. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am sure, and I, we have, I've not done any pre-interview here with Diana, and I know I'm sort of, the answer is going to be yes. Oh, yeah? How many times uh, have you been asked to do the, the, the Japanese in a gaijin accent have you ever been asked to do those jobs yes i have one of my first drama uh i I auditioned for a drama uh and it was a foreigner it's a really famous drama if you look it up you'll probably figure out what it is but they asked me if i could be worse at japanese yeah yeah exactly so what did you feel about that did you do i mean you obviously do it for the money right i think you have to but how did you feel about that well drama would be really good exposure um and so the thing is is in my cases, everybody knows I can speak Japanese. It's not like I haven't been on TV before. Um, so I, I did bring that up. I'm like, even if I put on a foreign accent for this character, if I do interviews or if I do events, people will figure out that I don't speak like this. Um, but I'm more than happy to do so if you would mm-hmm. like me to. And they're like, mm, that is a problem because you're already you know, out there in the public uh, it'll be found out. So we might have to go with somebody else, but you're our favorite acting. <laughs> so it was a little bit difficult. I actually lost out on two drama roles because of that. They were like, we need somebody that isn't already known so that we can basically, their image is our character, but because you have a different sort of wow. famous person image, it doesn't work <laughs> out. Um, but it, it was actually, it was pretty interesting, but generally for TV, they'll sometimes tell me not to speak any Japanese. But I don't get asked too often to make my Japanese worse. Anyway. Uh, I mean, it's got, I guess, like, for, for someone like you that's in, in the world, would, would you recommend that? I mean, you have to do it, right? I mean, if you want to get the, any avenue into the world is a good way to get in. If they say, like, you have to be horrible at Japanese, even if you're perfect, you got to do it, right? Well, okay, I think it depends on the person. But um, generally speaking, it's easier to catch flies with honey. So using their sort of image of what a foreigner should be, and, and getting into the world that way and then changing it from within is a lot better than trying to change it from outside. So once you're, you're, you've already got a platform, it's from there that you start introducing things. Like you may have noticed that at some point in my career, I became blonde. Um, mm, this, yes. is, this is actually the same issue. Um, I noticed about halfway through my career, nobody thought I was foreign. Um, and while I don't really care if I'm thought of as foreign or not, it's difficult for people to immediately understand what's happening if they can't immediately identify what they're looking at. So people would, you know, come up to me when I was doing a live or something like that. And they would stare at me really hard. Like, what is this creature? Because (laughs) I look foreign ish, but my, I'm very short. I'm I'm only 154 centimeters. So I'm about five feet tall. Um, and I've got very dark hair naturally. So I look like I'm potentially half or maybe just a Japanese person with contacts. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people just assumed I was Japanese. And so, um, and, and while that isn't an issue, since I, I, I sing well enough that I'll sell things no matter, you know, how I'm, I'm marketed, um, they also couldn't quite figure out who I was because I do look foreign-ish. And so they, they would just stare at me being confused. And especially when I was on TV playing, you know, like, sort of like the, the foreign role, as in like they, they would have me, you know, explain what's different about, you know, say, 
America and, and Japan, they'd be like, but is this person even from America? We don't know. So right before the ego show, because the ego show wanted it to be more international feeling, uh, they were, we, we basically talked and we were like, okay, especially for an older generation, the easiest thing for them to understand is blonde. Um, I can't do much about my height, but I can do I can do a little bit about my hair. So what we decided to do was go blonde so that people would immediately recognize me as a foreigner so that they didn't have to figure it out and so that they could just enjoy the experience. And this has proved to work out really well. My lives have gotten a lot faster response, mostly just because people immediately recognize what I am. And so they can just sit back and enjoy the music now. They don't have to sit there and go, but is she foreign? Why is she so bad at MC? So, <laughs> um, and, and that's actually, it's really helped my career. I'm also able to get a lot more like sort of foreign type roles uh, because people, I, I'm believably foreign now. So I can, I can talk about the differences between like say regular US life and Japanese life without people questioning my foreignness. Um, there was actually a very interesting rumor online for a really long time that like I was like born and raised in Japan or that I'm part Japanese. Like if you, if you look me up, it's, it's, I, there's so many funny rumors flying around. <laughs> yeah. um, and so now that I'm blonde, I've, I've noticed they've gone down quite a bit. Um, and I think it's just because it's more easily digestible. So now that I'm easily digested, um, and I've, I've sort of made my way into the, the world on the inside, I can then change my hair color back and people will still recognize who I am. And that that's important because mm. I, I don't like to perpetuate stereotypes, but at the same time using stereotypes and then changing it once people understand is, is not a bad idea. And this has been done by, by foreigners before me. Chris Hart's really good at it. He came in through like the, the nice soul singer route and now he's moving into to rock. I gotta, it's gonna, I, I might add this question out. I don't know. It's kind of stupid one, but all these, uh, it seems like if you are anybody in Japan at any level in the entertainment world, you have to have a stupid Ame blog. <laughs> uh, do you, is that you that update your blog or do they make you do that? Yeah. How does that work? Oh uh, no, they make me do it. Yeah. Um, you may have noticed that my Ame blog has not updated in about eight months. Uh, I really, <laughs> I'm not a good blogger. I don't like blogging. I'm already doing micro blogging. Like why do I need to do 800 kinds of blogging? But to be really honest, Ame blog, um, it's mostly for people in the industry at this point. Like what I mean by that is Normal people don't read Amebro. It's only directors and producers that read Amebro. So it's good for getting cast on things, but I don't think regular people really pay attention to it anymore. Um, Twitter's always been pretty big in Japan. Facebook isn't not big in Japan. Um, it depends on your demographic. I've got a lot of younger people. So for me, Instagram and Twitter are the two bigger ones. Um, mm. And then for my international fans, it's, it's Facebook. Not so much my Twitter because my Twitter is pretty specifically Japanese only. Um, mm. My Instagram's doing okay, but I only re recently started it. So by doing well, I mean it's been like three and a half months and I seem to have an okay following for that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm able to, like it was me, but right around um, my Naruto release, my managers ended up taking over all of my social media. I think just as a precaution, because usually when somebody has a really, really big release, uh, if they have like a scandal or a misstep at any point, uh, it becomes a, a really de big detrimental problem. Um, mm -hmm. So while they weren't too worried about me, I've got a pretty mild personality and I don't tend to mess up like too often. <laughs> there have been cases in the, in the past, especially with foreign artists, where they have had very public meltdowns and not just foreign artists, but also uh, specifically anime people um, mm -hmm. seem to have a high 
frequency of, of public meltdowns. And so they just wanted to make sure that they had control of things in, just in case, although I don't think it would have been an issue. Um, I was really happy about the whole Naruto thing. Um, but just in case, uh, they took over it until about November, which is when Nankai Mystery came out. And then I, I was I regained control of my account. So for a six month period, Six month period, I didn't have control of Omebro, Twitter, Facebook, or well, what else? I feel like I was doing one more thing at the time, but yeah. Because well, they kind of to make sure nothing crazy happens, they kind of say we're gonna, we're going to take control of it for now while this release is going on. Yeah, yeah, that's, okay, that, that it's pretty sense. common. Uh, really famous artists like you know Nishinokana or Darikikaru, I don't think do any social media on their own. It's mm. it's all it's their PR people. But I'm a, oh, wow. I was a mid level artist, and so um, I mostly do my own. Uh, and at this point in time, I control all of my accounts. So, okay. So you would know if we follow you that we're getting the real, the real stuff. Oh yeah, there. that's definitely that's on me. That's <laughs> okay. why there's so many mistakes in it. <laughs> I'm actually pretty bad. I'll put the links and everything that show in the show notes page. Um, I, let's kind of to wrap things up. We 45 minutes. You went fast for me, but uh, I want to ask. Uh, I want to ask like. What kind of advice would you give someone that's sitting there that's an ALT right now and they also they also have big dreams like you did? What kind of what would you what advice would you give them to kind of make those dreams happen? What I would say the best advice is probably to do it. Like what a lot of people do, especially when it comes to an art, whether it be drawing, if they're they're aiming to be like a mangaka, or whether it be singing or voice acting, is that they try and raise their level before they do anything output-wise. And I think that's maybe not the best way to go about it. Um, everything, you know, is different for everyone. But whether you think you're good enough or not, just do it if you like to do it. And I know that sounds like, you know, a, a little bit lofty, like, you know, but what if I'm not good enough? No, it, I'm sure whatever level you're at is fine. And if it's not fine, then you'll find out and then you can get better at it. Like there's 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 no embarrassment in the journey. Um I, I originally started posting things on Nico Nico Doga and YouTube as well. My, my early lives with my band, I'm sure, were terrible. Um, I'm, I'm kind of shy, naturally. So especially early on, I didn't move around very much on stage. But because I was doing it uh, and I got feedback, very honest feedback, especially when, you know, I went to auditions and, and they would give the harshest feedback possible. Um, that, that became a learning experience. You know, of course, you're going to be, become depressed and a little bit of sad about it. Like, oh, I didn't do as well as I could have. Maybe this hurts my chances. Honestly, it doesn't. Because if you go back and the same people are watching you, they'll see how much you've grown. And in the entertainment industry and also in the arts industry, um, the amount of potential you have, the, the amount you're able to grow is much more important than your actual level of output. So rather than having somebody perfect from the get-go, they would much rather have somebody that can move in different directions and, and be molded and somebody that has the tenacious, like the tenaciousness is not the word I'm looking for, but I don't remember how English works. Tenacity? That's a word. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, Bingo. the tenacity to, to be able to, to take that criticism and, and use it and make themselves better through it. So, so I, again, I would say um, if you want to do something – do it, uh, no matter what you think your level is. If you think you're not good at Japanese enough to be a seiyu, just practice uh, and do as many auditions as you can. There's seiyu schools available if you want to do voice acting school. And if you're like worried that you might not be good enough at Japanese or, or kanji to be able to um, to read the script, then I guess you'll find out during the audition. And if you can do it, yay. If you can't, then you know what you need to work on. Mm -hmm. Um, and again, people really like it when they can watch you grow. Um, and, and they, they feel really good if, if they can see somebody 
get better and better. And I've actually known many people in various industries that got the job that they got because they had tried for it so many times and they had improved each time. Awesome. Yeah, good stuff. I, I wish we could end on that one, but my curiosity is going to get the best of me here. That's totally fine. Uh, you said audition, and I've I've talked to one other person that was trying to get in the music industry, well, yeah. and they went to audition. They went to auditions in Japan, and uh, she said it were extremely brutal. Like oh, yeah. they would, she would go up. They would go up there and say, "Face out of here." You oh know? yeah. Like like that. I, I did, did you have any situation, uh, any experience like that? They said like uh, too small, anything like that. Definitely. Um, as I mentioned before, I'm very short, uh, and so I'm not tall enough to be. Uh, in the entertainment industry is something I got quite frequently, um, especially as a foreigner. And foreigners are supposed to be tall and, you know, heavily chested is, is I guess, the nicest, most diplomatic way to say that. And I would say I'm the opposite of those things. So I got many times like, oh, you know, you're very, very good at singing, but you're not the whole package is, is something that I, I still get, honestly. Um, uh, but basically, you need to take that criticism and make that into your specialty. So what I am is the foreigner that isn't quite foreign. Um, I am, I'm the singer that is also very good at, at doing presentation and, you know, stuff on TV, but that doesn't really feel like a foreigner. Most often I get people thinking that I, I feel most like a Kansai person. Um, and, and that's because I, I realized that my, my image doesn't really fit very well with what people expect foreigners to be. Um, and while I did make, you know, my hair blonde and stuff like that, I know that I'm not going to be able to battle it out in looks like I'm pretty fond of my face, but I don't have like the classical sort of actress Scarlett Johansson kind of looks. I have a very sort of cute, you're definitely a singer kind of look, um, but singers can kind of get away with things uh, that I feel like would be more difficult for models or uh Sing, or actresses to get away with. So my advice for, for your friend that, that wants to, to break into the music industry is uh, find a way to make it your your specialty or, or find a way to own it. Um, in my case, I, I did get a lot of people, especially early on, I was a little bit heavier and by a little bit, I mean a lot heavier. Um, I was about 20 kilos heavier than I am now. And so if it's something that you can change uh, and, and you are fine with changing it, go ahead and change it. And in my case, that was my hair color and my weight were things that I felt I could control, but I wasn't willing to like, say, go under the knife to change my face or anything like that. And I also felt like that wasn't necessary because my craft should speak for itself. But at the same time, being an easily accessible and easily relatable and being a package that somebody would want to aspire to is also very important in entertainment because being a singer really isn't it doesn't have much to do with singing. Being a singer is is about being a dream. So you need to be there for your audience. Um, and if that means that you need to change certain aspects that your audience might not relate to, then that's fine. But there's also something to be said, like you've got um, Adele and Susan Boyle and stuff like that. So it's not like there's one way to be at all. So find a place that you can be your best you and if you are your best you and you believe in, in your best you, put that out there and hopefully somebody eventually will also want to to sell that best you and, and consume that best you. Awesome. All right, Diana, we learned a lot of stuff. And uh, I'll put your links to all your stuff on the show notes page at altinsider.com. But um, where, what, are you, what are your new plans in the future? Anything you want to get us excited about right now in your current future? Uh, let's see. Next month, I've got uh, a charity event in Kumamoto, and that's for Ego. And then I'm, I'm always doing NHK Anime Supernova. That's, uh, I think, monthly. 
And then in uh, November, I'm actually going to be stateside. Um, I'll be in Virginia for NickelCon. So that's oh, going to cool. be exciting. My, my songwriter, Inoue Joe, is going to be there as well as Amy uh, Blackschlager. And she did songs for like Shingeki no Kyojin and stuff like that. So if you're interested in, in working in the entertainment industry or you're interested in um, sort of different people's paths into Japan, then I think it's a good place because we all have very, very different stories. Um, and then I've got a whole bunch of stuff coming up. Uh, there's Bomberman that I can't really talk about, but I can say the name of it. Haha. Um, there's also a video game that I'm working on. Um, there's two video games that I'm working on, but there's one that I'll, I'll end up being a regular character for. So that's going to be interesting. It's going to be my first original regular character release. So that's exciting. I'm cool. not just dubbing it over. Um, and, uh, should be doing a lot more TV in the future. Uh, and then, uh, I also not sure if I can announce it, but, um, from now on, we'll be doing uh, quite a few more lives, smaller lives uh, for the most part, but we're hoping to, to be able to, to connect that into uh, new releases and new music finally. So yeah, you keep your eyes peeled for that. I mean, you know, this show is about, you know, foreigners that, that foreigners in Japan that used to teach English and are trying to maybe looking for something else. Mm -hmm. And as you can see from Diana here, she made that really happen. She was an ALT. She was, she was, uh, you know, in the front lines there, the ALT job, and she found her dream singing you know, being an anime voiceover act actress and she's on TV. So that's pretty cool, right? So thanks, Diana, for hanging out. And uh, we're all rooting for you here. Thank you so much. And, and I'm rooting for all of you as well. Um, definitely, if you have any questions, you can ask me on my official page. Um, I'm sometimes very slow at replying, but I, I do eventually see everything. And I'm more than happy to, to sort of help if I can. Um, and let me know. I'm very excited for, for everybody's aspirations, and I can't wait to have more Nakama in my field. Thanks for listening to the ALT Insider Podcast. For more info on how you can have more fun working in Japan, visit ALTinsider.com. See you next time.